I'm one of the ministers here at Dreamsville Baptist Church, and I work with youth. And um, so I, I spoke to an interesting character the other day. I, I went for lunch with my wife and some of her colleagues, and um, she invented, invited some of her friends, and they invited some of their friends. So I had a conversation with this guy, um, and then he orders his food, and then eventually his food arrives, and he ordered a pizza. So he gets his pizza, and I realize there's no meat on, his, on, on the pizza. And I'm thinking, they've, they've got meat? I know, because I ordered meat, and here's my meat, and then his friend sitting next to him also orders a pizza, and then also no meat on the pizza. And then his friend's wife orders a pizza, also no meat on the pizza, and I'm thinking, surely, I know, I know. I feel like calling the waiter saying, is there any meat left? And then I say to him, okay, fine. Are you, are you, guys, are you vegetarian? He says, yes. And I say, oh, nice. And it's interesting for me because I, I don't think I could ever be vegetarian purely because I love meat. But anyway, I have a conversation with him and I say, so are you, are you vegetarian because you don't like meat? And he says, no, no, I do like meat. I said, oh, that's interesting. So why don't you eat meat? And, he, and we have a conversation, and um, for the first time ever, I was able to understand what people mean when they say, it's bad for the environment. Okay, so, so he starts unpacking why it's bad for the environment, and he says, the amount of land that cows need to live, and the water they consume, compared to the, amount, the same amount of protein being produced by plants, is just staggering. And he tells me a whole bunch of other things. And then we start speaking about plastic, and he doesn't have a straw in his cup. He's got like a metal straw, and I'm thinking, what's that all about? And he says, no, it's better for the environment. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's better for the environment. I can see the environment is fine. Grass is still green. Except winter, it's a bit beige, but what's up with that? I don't know. The clouds are still white, and the sky is still like slightly bluish. Sometimes it's dirty from smog and stuff. But what do you mean? And he says, well, the thing with straws is that it can't be recycled. He's like, oh. And then he says it lands up in our landfills and in our oceans. And when it lands up in our oceans, the creatures, sea creatures think that it's food and then they eat this stuff. I'm like, oh. And slowly but surely having this conversation with this man helped me understand why he wasn't eating meat. And I got a tremendous amount of respect for this guy and his friends. You see, humans are the only creatures that make waste or create waste that can't be absorbed by the earth, like plastic, for example. I watched a video the other day of, um, of a sea turtle. There was a bunch of scientists who found the sea turtle, and they were trying to pull a straw out of his nose with pliers. Horrific video. With nature, you see, humans create stuff that, that, that cannot be absorbed by the earth. It's a waste. You can't do anything with it. You see, but with nature, nothing is wasted. Nothing. There's nothing wasted in nature. Have you ever wondered, like, there's billions of sea creatures and the ocean doesn't get polluted? They don't only eat. Just saying that. That was a joke. You're allowed to laugh. Not only Trevor know is funny. <laughs> I did say I wasn't going to be as funny. I set you up for that. Anyway. So... With nature, nothing is wasted. I watched another video on YouTube about a gecko, like these ones we get in Durban, those white ones. It died, so a guy videotaped this thing. Okay, so he put a video on him, and then I saw in the video, you see an ant rocking up. One. He leaves. He brings back friends, and within the day, they completely devour this thing. They leave only the skeleton. 
So if you keep watching this video, you even see that they come back for even the bones. They take away the bones. Nothing is wasted in nature. Nothing. The title of my message this morning is Dear Trevor. Dear Trevor, and that's a reference obviously to Trevor Noah. Let me tell you a little bit about Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah, a lot of you know him. Um, he's a famous South, Afri- famous South African comedian, and um, that's probably the most of what we know about him. He's funny, he's extremely successful, he lives in America now, he's friends with Charlize, Tron, and uh, cool stuff like that, but I don't think all of us know some of his background. And I want to share a little bit of his background with you, which is probably a different angle um, on his life this morning. So, so he was born in the apartheid era. His mom was black, and his dad was white. In the apartheid era, that was illegal, which means that Trevor Noah was born, literally born, a crime. He shares stories of how sometimes when he was small, he would hear knocks on the door, loud knocks, and then his granny would come into his room and hide him under the bed. And then it would be the police trying to find this little kid. They heard rumors that there was a mixed race child there. For nine years, the first nine years of his life, he wasn't allowed to play outside until the party was finished. He wasn't allowed to play outside. He says when, after a party, when he went to high school, him and a friend of his were caught in the act of petty theft. They stole something. And then he shared how his friend was treated more severely than he was because he was black and Trevor's nose skin was slightly lighter. Got a less severe punishment because he was slightly lighter in color. See, his mom wasn't allowed to get married to his dad, so that relationship didn't work out. So she did get married to a man named Abel, which was Trevor's stepdad. He says that this guy was incredibly aggressive and abusive, and his mom was often abused. And, and one day he says he came home when he was a teen, and his stepdad abused him. And he said that was also the moment he moved out. Shortly after that, he, he, he got the news that his mom was shot in the head by his stepdad. Miraculously, she didn't die. And she credits her faith in Jesus with that. She says, this is because of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, that I'm still alive today. I love the story of Moses. I don't know if you've ever read the story and kind of feel, felt like this was written for you. The story of Moses, I feel, is so relevant to my life this morning and extremely relevant to your life if you're able to internalize what happened to him, okay? So, so the reason I speak about Moses is because his story is very similar to me in many ways as Trevor Noah's. You see, because Moses also was born a crime. Pharaoh realized that the Israelites were growing in number, they were getting strong, and the idea that he came up with to counter this, to stop this, was to kill all the baby boys. Kill them. Just kill them. That's it. Finished. So Moses' mom hid him. Not under a bed, but she hid him. Put him in a basket, put him on a river, between the reeds so no one could see him, to keep him safe. She didn't want his son to die. And then Pharaoh... The guy who murdered and slaughtered all these kids, his daughter, finds Moses. And she falls in love with this kid and she adopts him as her own. And Moses, who's an Israelite, 
moves into this Egyptian palace where his step-granddad is a murderer. At least Moses' mom was allowed to take care of him. So he knew her. He knew who she was. He knew who his people were. He understood that he wasn't actually Egyptian, but he was, Is- he was an Israelite, one of God's people. Remember I mentioned earlier on that with nature, in nature nothing is wasted. I want to say this. I believe that with God, nothing is wasted. I'm going to say that again. I believe that with God, nothing is wasted. If we look at the story of Trevor Noah's life, for example, I think if I was him, I would be bitter, I would be angry, and I would be full of hatred if I was him. Imagine, I want you to internalize for a bit. Imagine if you were in his shoes. And for nine years of your life, you're not allowed to play outside because your parents were scared, the authorities were going to find out, and they would come and take you away from your family. That's a prison sentence to me. I would have been angry, full of hate. Imagine having to hide underneath your bed every time there was a knock on the door because of fear that you might be taken away. His mom and dad weren't allowed to get married. Because it was illegal. See, his past could have left a stain on him. A permanent stain. But we see a different outcome with his life. Came across an interesting story about a bunch of fishermen who um, went for a spot of tea after their fishing trip at a Scottish seaside inn. And while these fishermen were gathered around the table, they were... One guy was explaining, apparently this is a true story. One guy was explaining how big the fish was that he caught. And there was just a joke. That's a, oh, anyway, <laughs> told you I wasn't going to be as funny as Trevor. How big this fish was. And then as he made this gesture, he knocked the, a, cup, a pot of tea out of the waiter's hand. It flew across the room, hit a white wall, and left a tea stain stain on the wall. So the innkeeper was slightly frustrated. They tried to clean it. The stain didn't come out. And now he's frustrated. Now he has to repaint the whole wall to fix this fisherman's mess. And then a stranger just comes out of the blue and says, how about, how about you allow me to try something? Let me, let me try something. If you think that my work was good enough, you just keep it and you don't have to repaint the wall. And then the innkeeper said, well, why not? Okay, go for it. So this man pulls out a glass jar. He pulls out some brushes. He pulls out some pigments and oil. And he, makes, sort of mix, he starts mixing paint. And he starts painting on this wall. And he paints a, a stag with a giant rack of horns on his head. And it turns out that this painter or artist was named E.H. Lancer. He was a famous artist. Famous for painting wildlife. And he signed it E.H. Lancer. You see, what this artist did was, he took this stain and turned it into a masterpiece. You see, Trevor's life could have been stained, but we see the end result looking more like a masterpiece. Even Moses. We look at the life of Moses. 
So he grew up in Pharaoh's house. Murderer. Knows his stepmom loves him. Knows his family. He knows that he is living in luxury. He's been educated by the Egyptians. He understands stuff. He understands leadership. He also knows that all his people are suffering as slaves outside. Bible says when he was 40 years old, he decided to go outside and connect with his people. So he goes out. And then he sees an Egyptian man harming an Israelite. So his response was, this is what he learned from Pharaoh, by the way. Pharaoh has one response to every problem. Kill them. So Moses goes, he finds this Egyptian man who's harming an Israelite, and he kills him. He just decides, that's it, finished with you, done, kills him. So the next day, the Bible says that he, um, he found two Israeli, Israelites fighting with each other, two men. And he goes up to him and he's like, hey, hey guys, you're brothers. You shouldn't be fighting with each other, you should be loving each other. And then one of the men responded, who are you to judge us? Who are you to judge us? Are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? They listened to this passage in Acts 7, verse 29. This was Moses' response. When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian. How often do we do this? When Moses heard this, he fled. Difficulty came and he fled. Difficulty sometimes comes in our life and we flee. Fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the, um, in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. So then, this is where God speaks to Moses. So remember, he was 40 years old when he killed the Egyptian. He ran away for 40 years. He went to um, Midian, yes? Went to Midian, where it seems like he lives a seemingly insignificant life. All we know is that he had two kids. Nothing much happening. And I wonder how often... Are we in Midian ourselves? Here we just feel like disconnected from God. We feel like nothing's going on. Feels meaningless. Until that moment that God speaks to him through a burning bush and he says, Hey Moses, your past is not wasted. See, with God, nothing is wasted. Your past is not wasted. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to Egypt. <laughs> Only God makes you go back sometimes to your past. How interesting is that? I want you to go back to Egypt because my people are still slaves and I want to use you to free them. So Moses is thinking his life is a waste. For 40 years he's done nothing. And then he debates with God, right? So God obviously knew this. This is what interests me about the story. God knew he was going to debate. So Moses had a bunch of reasons why he shouldn't be the person. And then he said, well, I can't speak properly. So he's got a speech impediment. And then God was like, okay, how about I send Aaron, your brother, with you to help you so he can speak? Now, what's interesting to me about that comment was, why did God not just go straight to Aaron? (laughs) Aaron was the guy who spoke to Pharaoh. Moses couldn't do it. Why didn't he just bypass Moses and go straight to Aaron? Why does God not just bypass you 
and go straight to the errands in your life. Why? The reason for me, I thought about this, I processed this. Debbie actually mentioned this to me. And I thought about it some more. And this is what I've concluded. This is why I believe God didn't just go straight to Aaron. Because he didn't have the same past as Moses. He wasn't adopted into this Egyptian family like Moses was. He, didn't, he wasn't raised in Egypt in the, in the palace with his grandfather father as a murderer like Moses was. He didn't kill this Egyptian man like Moses did. He didn't flee. He had none of the past experiences that Moses had. Some good experiences, some very bad experiences. Aaron wouldn't have worked. He didn't have any influence in Egypt like Moses did. Moses had a platform. See, when I hear the story of Moses, it's easy for us to sometimes stand on the outside. I want you for a few seconds to internalize this. Imagine if Moses was you. Imagine finding out one day that all the kids or all the boys, all the girls at your age were murdered by your step-granddad. Gone. Imagine knowing your parents but not being allowed to live with them because it's illegal. Imagine having to face that man maybe every single day of your life. I always wonder what school must have looked like for Moses. Imagine you're going to school and you rock up there and you're the only boy in the class. You have no friends because all the friends your age is gone. If you're a girl, you're the only girl in the class. Process what that must have felt like. For Moses, apart from the fact that he didn't have any friends, it must have been a score. Like so many options, only girls in the class, right? For the girls, it was, it was less exciting, obviously. They only had one option, Moses. But imagine being the only guy in the class, a girl in the class, and having no friends your age of the same sex. Must have been sad. But with God, nothing is wasted. With God, nothing is wasted. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and you have a past. Stuff has gone wrong or stuff has gone bad or you're not happy with stuff or you're not sure why God took you through something, why God educated you in a certain way, why you grew up in a certain family, why you had to go through a divorce. Maybe someone sinned against you in your past. Maybe someone hurt you. You might even be thinking of that person right now in this very moment. Or maybe, maybe you sinned against someone. And you've been living with this guilt for ages. Or maybe you sinned against God. And you don't quite know how to deal with this. What I want to say is that with God, nothing is wasted. Your past doesn't have to be wasted. What I appreciate about Trevor Noah's story is that he had a hectic past. The story of his past should have resulted in bitterness, but it didn't. Moses had an intense past. It looked like nothing was happening for a long time. But God used his past for good to free God's people. To free God's people. Maybe your past story can also turn into one that frees God's people. Who better to teach on divorce than you? I don't understand what that's like. You do. How awesome would ministry be from someone who has that perspective? They can say, this is this. Be careful of this. Who better than you? God didn't use Aaron because he wanted to use Moses. God doesn't want to use Aaron because he wants to use you. Your past 
doesn't have to be wasted. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of Moses' past is now useful. The fact that he grew up in the palace is useful, gave him influence. Moses was raised by a leader. Moses all of a sudden understands leadership. Because remember, he needs to lead Israel. Maybe he killed a man. Now when he asks for for an audience with the Pharaoh, he knows who Moses is. Because Moses was the one who killed one of our people. And a door goes open for Moses. And it seems like his past was wasted. And then we see what Moses does is, he uses his platform to transform, to free God's people. He uses his platform. Platform. We see Paul, the apostle from the New Testament, doing the same thing. You see, Paul was scheduled on a trip from wherever he was to go to Rome. Okay? So that was the plan. He planned to go to Rome. Or, or the people, he was, in, he was imprisoned. And the people planned to take him to Rome. The planned destination was not, as, was, was not where he went. The Bible says that in that space there was a big storm. They were shipwrecked and landed on an island called Malta. And then there were people there, locals. And they were very friendly to them, apparently. Very kind. And then while Paul went out, it was cold, and then he, he made, they were busy making a fire. He picked up some wood, put it in the fire, and he got bitten by a snake. The thing clamped onto his hand and wouldn't release. So now the locals are looking at him saying, this man must be a murderer. They're assuming his past. <laughs> he must be a murderer, surely. They were superstitious, it seems like. Very superstitious. Then what he does is he just shakes the snake off, throws it in the fire, and then the Bible says, these people just wait. <laughs> they say, the Bible says they wait for him to drop dead. And then, surprise, surprise, Paul doesn't drop dead. Then they change their mind from this man must be a murderer to this man must be a god. <laughs> they just change their minds like that. And then Paul uses this opportunity to do ministry. He uses his platform. He doesn't care that he got shipwrecked, or maybe he did. Maybe it wasn't tense because they needed to swim for their lives. They were definitely cold. That's why they needed fire. It was uncomfortable, but he still used his discomfort as a platform to do ministry. He prayed for sick people, the Bible says, and a lot of the islanders got healed that day, and God was glorified. He used every platform he could to glorify God. His past wasn't wasted. Another one of Kara's colleagues, Kara, my wife's colleagues, um, this guy was a teacher. His name's Jason, and I have permission to share the story, but he he was a teacher, and he decided, because he had an encounter with Jesus, that he was going to leave his job as a teacher and go into full-time ministry. Full-time ministry he decides to go into. And he shares a story on, on Facebook. He uses Facebook as a platform to share a story of his past that God used but didn't waste for the good. And this is more or less what happened to him. So when he was a kid, he developed by age six a massive amount of fear for death. Because his brother Paul had died at age six. And his behavior was so unusual, he had such nightmares, such terror around the dying at age six that his mom needed to quit her job. She stopped working to care for a kid. He didn't go to school. He needed to be homeschooled because of the terror and fear he had inside of him. Then eventually, he was able to go to a school that, that accepted him. 
And then apparently his family had a reputation for being good sportsmen and women. So he had this thing around him the whole time of, will I ever measure up to my, to my family? And he had people say to him, you'll never be as good as your brothers were. And he had this constant feeling of rejection and, a, and an identity crisis. Then he says that somewhere in high school, he started using drugs, he started drinking, started sleeping around, and he said that became his identity until he met Jesus one night. Then his past wasn't wasted anymore. He met Jesus, he realized that God was real, that he needed Jesus to save him, committed his life to Jesus, and he surrendered his whole entire life to ministry, to Jesus and and ministry, working for him. We see a past that could have been wasted. Could have been wasted. But Jesus turned it around. The past still exists. I want to say that. Still exists. No one ever said that it's going to be easy from there on. It's not easy for him. But his past wasn't wasted. And now he's ministering to people and changing lives because of that. But he used a platform to share his story. Maybe this morning you're in a place where you say, Hey, maybe I need Jesus in my life. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been tugging at your heart for ages. Maybe that's the very reason you're here this morning. Because you need Jesus, maybe. Maybe you need to respond to that call today. We're not going to do anything formal. We're not going to call you to the front. I just want you to respond to that. To that personal relationship with Jesus. Just surrender to Him. But I, what I love about Trevor Noah, what I love about Moses, what I love about Jason is they used their platform to influence people. When Jason left school on the same, at assembly, he told his whole story. Various religions present, but he shared his story. He used the platform at work. He used social media, Facebook as a platform to share the story of how God transformed his past. I want to challenge you this morning. I don't know what platforms you have. I don't know where you have influence. I don't know if you're ever going to be on a stage. Maybe not. Maybe you fall in the past that the stage is the only place you could have influence. But that's not true. Jason used Facebook. He shared his story at work. And I want to challenge you to consider your past. Maybe God has already turned it around. Maybe your past is already not wasted. And maybe you need to start sharing the story at a bri. Maybe at your work. Maybe you need to go onto Facebook and say, this is my story. This is what Jesus has done for me. But part of our call as Christians is to be a witness. Acts 1 verse 8 says that you will receive power, you will receive strength when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be a witness. Let's not be silent any longer. Let's use our platform. And in conclusion, I want to say this. It's a simple message. I spoke about two things. The message was about God, with God, that nothing is wasted. And the second thing is that each of us have a platform. Let's use that platform to share our stories. I wonder what would happen. This guy, this Jason, his story inspired me so much. I still haven't met him. His story inspired me so much that on one of my off weekends, I went to his church. I've got a church. I work for this church. But his story inspired me so much, I wanted to go check out what's happening there. I wonder what would happen in this church if we start sharing our stories. I wonder if people would be so intrigued that they'd want to come check out what's happening here at Westfield Baptist Church. 
and maybe even meet Jesus along the way. If I had to, to write Trevor Noah a short message, I would say thank you to him. I would say, dear Trevor, thank you for using your platform for telling a story and spreading a message of hope using your platform. Thank you for not letting the story of your past go wasted, but rather using it to impact and inspire the world. I wonder if someone would write that note about you one day. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we're so aware of the fact that each of us have a past. Some of us have been shaped by that very past. To this day, some of us are still broken. Lord, but for some of us, we've experienced your restoration. We've experienced healing, and I thank you for that. Thank you, God, that nothing with you is wasted. So my prayer this morning is that each of our stories would become useful to you, and that we would gain boldness to share our stories. Use whichever platform we can to inspire and impact the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.